Amen. Thank you, Lauren. Hey, morning, church. Excited to be here with you this morning. I'm Daniel Wagner, the college and young adults pastor here, and we've got a great day. As we continue this series that we're in right now, Your Future Self Will Thank You. Week one, we looked at devotion. Uh, we looked at devotion and dabbling, talking about the degree of your own input into your spiritual life as you are a follower of Jesus Christ. The next week, last week, we looked at foundation. We looked at what you're building and the things that you're putting into your life. And this week will feel like a little bit of a continuation of last week as we look at compassion. And as we talk about this series, Your Future Self Will Thank You, we're asking this question, what could you do today? What could you prioritize today? What investments could you make today that would cause your future self to look back and say, thank you, I'm glad we did that, I'm glad we made that change, we put that into place, or we maintained that value. And today we're looking at this compassion, and more specifically, compassion that I've shown. What kind of compassion could you demonstrate today? What compassion could you prioritize? And how could that change your future self? I want us to read a passage together that'll kind of frame our time, and it's in Proverbs 31. It's at the beginning, lots of Proverbs 31, people immediately go to how to find a good wife or how to be a godly woman, but this is what sets the table at the beginning of this passage, Uh, and we'll read it, and I'll break it down for us here. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? Don't you love it when a mom comes out and says, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who's perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So what we see here is uh, King Lemuel. There are a lot of perceptions about who this is. I'm not going to get too into it. Could be another king, could be Solomon, but for whatever reason, this was included in the book of Proverbs, which are mostly attributed to Solomon. Book, a book of wisdom, a book of instruction, a book of uh, wisdom, which is not just, it's not just know what, but it's know how. So it guides our life. And we see this in the very last chapter gets slid in and has a lot of great points, one of which will draw out the most. But this King Lemuel, a king whose name would mean one who belongs to God, we'd see that his mother gave him this advice. And y'all probably got some good Southern mamas just like mine, right? When you're growing up, what are the things that you're told to do? Say, yes, sir. Say, no, sir. Say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Look people in the eyes. Give a firm handshake, right? That's mama advice. When you get a little bit older, it's, hey, eat your vegetables and get a good job and settle down, put some roots down. The kind of things that moms say. And this is what we see from a mother who has given instruction to her son, a king. Uh, we see these three things. One, that love can lead you astray. Two, to know your limits and not to let yourself go. And three, to show compassion to everyone especially to the marginalized. Now, these seems like good things for all people, and I'd say especially good things for kings or for rulers, right? As you think about what the nature of that job is, that responsibility, that position, that you would be one who realizes, hey, the things that I do, the decisions that I make, they have ramifications. They have uh, consequences, both positive and negative, in the lives of other people. So I need to be a good king because we know what happens with a bad king. 
And we see these three things are given as wisdom. And honestly, we can make these three different sermons, but we're going to live here in point number three today that as important in the eyes of this mother for the success of this king, she would say, hey, show compassion to everybody, particularly to people that are marginalized. What's that? People on the margins who don't have the opportunity, the material wealth, the connections, maybe weren't born in the right place or even born in a terrible set of circumstances, that we as God's people have a responsibility to show compassion to them. And I love this passage and I wanted to give it to us today because although you're not a king and you're not a queen, I know some of you girls, you probably think you're a queen, you got that in your Instagram bio or something, but we are not uh, rulers of nations, but we all rule something. We may not be leaders of a lot, some of us, but we all lead something. And the way that we spend our time and the priorities that we have and the decisions that we make, they affect other people. God has given us all the responsibility to fill and to subdue the earth as his people. We're all building something. What are you building? So although you may not be the king, you do have responsibility, and your life affects others. So as we think about this third category that we would take this on, we'd see these wise words from a mother to a king. We'd say, how, how can we show compassion? And really, what even is compassion? As I was looking at this for the last couple of weeks, thinking about this portion of our service today, I came across a couple of things on the internet, which you know isn't all bad, just most of the time. And I saw this framework and, and kind of tweaked it a little bit, but we see this, sympathy. Lots of people know sympathy, we understand sympathy. It's, it's seeing something and acknowledging it. In uh, CVS and Walgreens and grocery stores, there's what, a sympathy card section. They would say, hey, I see that you're in pain and I want to acknowledge that, sympathy. But empathy, which we've had a lot of uh, growth in, a lot of organizations and a lot of books have come out around empathy, this concept, that you would do more than just see pain, but that you would feel pain. That empathy would say, I feel your pain. I want to sit in this with you as we're called to do as God's people, to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. But this last one is where we're going to live today. We would see compassion. Compassion has two aspects that you're going to do something to reduce the thing that causes pain, right? So you acknowledge that there's a painful circumstance, a painful situation, and you want to be a part of removing that thing, but then also acknowledging that you're in pain currently, and I want to help ease that current pain. It's removing the thing, and it's bringing healing. That's the responsibility of the believer. So a really easy framework, I hope you leave with this today, is that empathy plus action equals compassion. What's compassion? It's empathy. I feel your pain. Action, I'm going to do something about it. Empathy plus action equals compassion. Now, who's due compassion? Who is it our responsibility to give it to, to show it to? Lots of people, lots of people. But throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, as Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, to bring a new depth to it, we see four categories specifically that we're supposed to show an enhanced degree of compassion to, and then one that feels like a no-brainer for us. So I want us to go together to Zechariah chapter 7. This is where we find this in 9 and 10. This is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor, and do not plot evil against each other. 
So we see five categories here. Who's due compassion? Everyone, each other, the one another, that we would see that the very heart of Jesus is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? We get that, to see pain and to relieve it and to bring healing. But we see this enhanced category for these other four, the fatherless, the widow, the foreigner, and the poor. That the people of God are supposed to be about the business of compassion to these people. What I want us to do today is to focus on compassion in one of these areas, and that's the fatherless. People that are children that are disenfranchised. And I have a couple of guests that we'll bring up today to have a conversation about what God's doing in our city and in our state and around the world through faithful believers like you here today. So I want to invite up uh, John Noble and John, who leads Lifeline Children's Services here in the state of Mississippi, and Carly Wagner, who's my wife. Uh, Robert wanted Carly to come up today. She's not really excited about being here, but you do what your boss asks you to get your spouse to do, I think. So uh, we are excited to be here. Carly works at a, a ministry that's a partner of Fondren Church's Jackson Leadership Foundation. They serve marginalized communities and, and marginalized children in that. So Carly's got a lot of perspective from her time in and around this. But John, thank you for being here. Would you tell us about yourself? Uh, certainly. Um, like I said, my name is John Noblin. I am the state director of Lifeline Children's Services. Um, I am a lifelong Jackson resident. Um, I guess an attorney by training, although I've successfully avoided that through most of my adult life. Um, and just glad to be here. Glad to be part of this, um, your service and, and your focus on ministries and what we like this, that what we do with compassion. Wonderful. Could you tell us about Lifeline as an organization? What do y'all do? What are you trying to solve in Jackson? Certainly. Um, Lifeline is uh, based in Birmingham. And if you're not familiar with the name here, you may remember the name Bethany Christian Services, uh, our offices where we've got five locations in the state and our offices were part of Bethany for about 30 years. And then in 2019, made a move to become part of Lifeline. And Lifeline's mission statement is that we exist to train the body of Christ, you know, the, the, the global, the, the big capital C church, the church universal, uh, train the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children and families. And I think one of the interesting things about the mission statement is, is in what it doesn't say. It doesn't say anything about us being an adoption agency or a pregnancy counseling ministry or uh, supporting foster care or international adoption. It says that we are about manifesting the gospel. And those things that I mentioned uh, are all simply ways that we do that. Uh, they, are, they are means and not, not ends. So the gospel is, is first and foremost in everything that Lifeline is about. Would you, um, would you tell us the important part about Lifeline that I love is that it's a ministry, right? That you want to come alongside churches. So would you talk about why that's important to your ministry and uh, what you think the church's responsibility is to be a part of those vital services? Yeah, the, uh, of course, the, the church exists or should exist to manifest the gospel to everybody. Uh, and so what we want to do is not, not take on that responsibility of the church, but support it and, and be a, uh, a helper in promoting the church in its role and in filling those gaps that the church itself is not going to do like 
you know, be a state accredited adoption agency and things like that. But we want to be there and, and hopefully are there for all of these other things. If, if we've got programs, if a church wants to encourage and promote foster care within its congregation or adoption within the congregation, we've got uh, resources for churches to, to do that. Um, if you have a, a, a pregnancy counseling or pregnancy outreach, uh, we've got resources to support that. But we've also got people on staff. If you if you need somebody to refer situations like that to, we've got pregnancy counselors on staff, and we've got social workers that work with adopted families. We've got uh, counseling resources for families who have adopted and need additional support. Um, tutoring uh, for children in, in, in adoption and with trauma backgrounds that have learning differences. Wow. Can you share a story of maybe a particular time when the gospel just was lived out um, through Lifeline or um, you just saw Jesus connect um, points of service in that way? Um, yeah, one particular, and the, the back story on this is that um, when, when the Child Protective Services gets involved and needs to remove children from a, a home, what the, the judge will do is they'll, they'll give the family, they'll give the parents uh, a, a number of things that they need to do toward work, working, in, in working toward getting the children back in the home. One of those is to take a parenting class. And Lifeline has a program called Families Count that is a gospel-based uh, six-week parenting class that is court-approved and is administered through local churches. And I was visiting in, in Columbus at First Baptist, and they've been a, a, a lifeline, faithful Lifeline supporter for many years, and they've been a Families Count program. They've hosted it for, for a number of years. And I was talking to a guy up there and, um, about the church and Families Count, and he said that he and his wife lived right down the street from the church, passed it every day, and he never wanted to come in. He said, I had no interest at all in faith in general, much less First Baptist Church of Columbus. He said, and then uh, CPS showed up and took his children. And in the course of all the administration following that, they, were make, they, they recommended that he and his wife contact uh, First Baptist and sign up for their, their family's count class. And he said, we did that. And that's the only thing, that's the only reason I would have ever come here because they had something that I needed. And in the course of that class, um, he and his wife were converted, they were baptized, uh, they joined the church, and now they teach the Families Count class at First Baptist in Columbus. And you know, you wish they all ended like that, um, but just that's just an example of how in just something that started out as a purely administrative, worldly need for an unchurched, totally unchurched couple, you know, God used it to bring them in, and now they are you know, not only uh, sharing the, the, the gospel with their friends and family, but are continuing to give back to a program that gave a lot to them. Incredible. And, yeah, amen, John. Thank you for that and for the faithful ministry of Lifeline. I mean, I love that. That's the business that we should be about, right? Jesus was 
practical and meeting physical needs. He saw people's circumstances and he brought grace and mercy and you know the ultimate gift there is, is that on the cross. He saw us in our sin, the thing we couldn't remove, right? The thing we needed help with and died to take that penalty and give us a life with him. Thankful for you guys living that out. What would you say to, to this congregation, right? You're looking around, there's a, a mix of ages, maybe some um, single people that are, are thinking about getting married, thinking about what their family could look like. Some people who may be in the middle of having kids and maybe some empty nesters who feel like they might have some margin in their life. What would you challenge them with or encourage them with if they're thinking about adoption? There's a lot in that question. Um, all right. Okay. So if you want to kind of, we'll kind of break it down by where folks are in their lives. Certainly, I'm sure many of you uh, are, have discussed adoption at home within your families. And, you know, if it, maybe it's something that you've looked forward to all your life, being able to do that. Maybe it's something that you are just feeling drawn to. I would say pray about that. Really seek God's will and, and leadership because it is not for everybody. Um, and particularly uh, challenges in international adoption where the biggest need is. Uh, I would say if, if you're feeling like that's something that is that you, that you want to pursue or you want to look into, pray about it and see if you really feel called. And, um, you know, beyond that, uh, there are, like, you know, families count program that I said, you know, that are administered through churches. If, you, if it's something that you feel like you'd like to see Fondren do or maybe you're a member somewhere else in visiting today and you want your, your local church to, to do this, um, that program takes a lot of, has a lot of moving parts, takes a lot of volunteers. And, you know, if you want to do that, that's a great way to um, promote the gospel with a group that, you know, a population that, that certainly needs it. And most of all, I would just say that uh, we need your prayers. We need your prayers for, you know, God's continued financial support of our ministry. We need prayers for this, uh, the upcoming, the Dobbs case that will be heard at the Supreme Court uh, to hopefully reduce uh, and get as close to eliminating abortion in our community as possible because, um, you know, we, we need to counsel with these women. We need, we need women in unexpected pregnancies to choose life, whether it's a situation that they go on and continue to pursue a placement, adoption placement for their child, or they decide they want a parent. Either one of those is great with us, but we want to, we want to, uh, life to be the option that they choose and um, so we would we would covet your prayers for that how um you just answered pretty much that question but how else could we possibly serve you or maybe take the next step if in the weeks uh, following this morning god is leading us to serve lifeline uh, you know, again, prayer is just a is a is a huge thing. You may feel a little bit detached. We don't we don't have a lot of situations where we need volunteers. We don't we don't march at the abortion clinic, and you know we don't do some very many high profile things that where we want to just bring people out in numbers. But I, I would encourage you to to if this anything about this strikes a chord uh, in your life in your heart, to contact our office. Um, we're right down Lakeland, um, and, and see what we could do maybe uniquely just with your gifts. Um, and, uh, we have, you know, we do occasionally have volunteer needs. Uh, we, you know, we always have financial needs. We have events, um, in town, an annual banquet that we can always use additional help with. And, and mostly, um, also, uh, 
promoting Lifeline in the community. You know, there is a um, adoption that for a lot of folks is always something that somebody else does. Or, or some of these things just may not feel like they fit your life, but you know, we might can find places that, that you can fit that we're not, you know, that they're not aware of. So. Wonderful. John Alwyn, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate you. Thank Thanks you. for Appreciate sharing it. with our church today. I want to direct your attention to the screens here in a little bit. Uh, we are going to show you a video from uh, a couple that's personal friends of ours, Kyle and Tessa Bennett. Kyle and I first got to know each other because we both had daughters that look exactly like us, and uh, they've continued to look exactly like us. So add that to your prayer list. But we're excited to show you uh, an update, right? A lot of times we tell stories and there are people that go to church with us and you know, some of you grab them and, and ask what's going on, but we wanna hold up a story of them walking in mercy and justice and being faithful to foster their daughter. So here's an update and a, a peek into the Bennett's life. Check out the screen. We're Kyle and Tessa Bennett. We have been coming to Fondren Church for about as long as we've been married, maybe six or so years, and we've been foster parents for four of those years. So growing up for me, I was always challenged by the concept that there were children who did not have homes and families, and that we as a society have just always failed to bridge that gap in a consistent way. And as we learned more about our community since we've been married, we learned that the greatest need within our particular community was the foster care system. So we've been foster parents for about four years and we had two short-term placements earlier in our journey and now we've had our sweet oldest daughter with us for just now three years at the beginning of October. So she's been with us for three years and we have seen some amazing growth she came to us with failure to thrive, so it was almost two, but was acting more like a six-month-old, couldn't sit up, couldn't um, walk, and actually wasn't able to eat at all. So she had a, um, a G-tube in, and we journeyed through all of that with her, and now she is perfectly developmentally on track and uh, with her age group and doing amazing. For me, I, I was getting a little emotional because I was thinking about something that I, that I say to her Every night, I, I kind of bend down by her bed and I say, I say, do you know why I'm proud of you? And she gives me the same answer every night. And she says, because I'm yours. And for me, that's been the biggest joy because she's been so resilient and we've been able to be a part of that. And it's, and it's you know, been rewarding to learn to be sacrificial. And, you know, we, we come in every Sunday and we, we learn about how Jesus was sacrificial to us and it's helped me try to you know guide my life in that direction and it's so hard for me and and uh, she's made that so much easier the the hardest part for me um, and this comes from a selfish perspective I guess is the uncomfortableness that that foster care can bring you know I just generally like to have a plan and with foster care, that um, sometimes is not the case. So for me, selfishly, it's the uncomfortableness of, of not knowing what the future holds. For me, I think it's been journeying through foster care with other people in our community and finding the balance between 
trying to love people and guide them to an understanding of, of really why we do what we do, while at the same time holding a place for biological families and people who are in crisis in our community, just navigating through conversations like that. I think the reward outweighs the heartaches that you're going to have. You're going to have those days in foster care to where you feel defeated. And that is things that we have felt and things that we continue to feel. But um, I, I can remember the first time that, you know, our current placement, the first time we saw her walk and the first time we saw her eat, you know, icing from a cinnamon roll. And those situations have made this all worth it. You're not gonna have perfect days every single day, but it's worth it. I think that the biggest way that we could be supported is to have these situations where children are coming into the system not exist in the first place. So as we consider our community and we think about the ways that we can give, maybe not focusing on um, foster parents, but focusing on where these kids are coming from and the bigger systemic issues of poverty and of the lack of education and of these broken homes. So if we can be faithful, not just to the people who attend this church and are doing um, good things for the lives of one child, but um, continuing to be outward facing in our calling toward our community as a whole. We continue to covet your prayers over our family. While there's been so many moments of heartache, we're thankful for the people who are advocating for her from all ends and giving every chance to um, keep families together. It was really a privilege for me to be on the other side of that camera, not shooting it, I'm not that good, but asking questions to someone who's actually making the video. Um, it was cool to see Kyle be vulnerable in that moment. He was sitting right there on the stage as he shared about how uh, serving sacrificially, showing compassion at something that cost him, showed him more of Jesus who gave up everything to demonstrate compassion to us and how the heart of a father that he'd have for his daughter just grew to be more like the heart of a father who has a great love for us. So we're thankful for Kyle and Tessa and encourage them when you see them at church here. They're not here this week. They're at a wedding for a guy that they thought was never going to get married. I don't even know who it is. I hope you're not watching the service later, but that's where they are today. But we love them and encourage them, come alongside them. On the stage with us today is Thomas Dent, who like John is a godly man who's got a great reputation around town as being a faithful servant. And Thomas is living his life and serving at Child Protective Services here in uh, the state of Mississippi. So, yeah, Thomas. Awesome. Thomas, can you tell us what is your context for foster care? Sure. Yeah, I'm Thomas Dent. Um, i grown up, kind of born and raised here in the area. Um, they didn't even, went to Bellhaven, didn't even leave for college. Uh, my wife's from here. Just my whole life has kind of been in the Jackson metro area. And so I go to college, and I, I go to college because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to college, and you're supposed to figure out what you want to do, and then you're supposed to go do it. But that never, that didn't really work out for me. Um, it took a while for that to happen. I taught school for a couple years. That definitely wasn't my, uh, my thing. Uh, then I went and worked for the family air conditioning company for several years. And during that time, um, I just started doing reading and reflecting, and my wife was encouraging me to go find something else because I just wasn't happy, um, figure out what I wanted to do. I'm reading in these books, and it's talking about, you know, go do something that you love. And so about the, about the end of that working there, we became foster parents. And um, I, as soon as I left there and went to work for another company for about two and a half years, and the whole time I was at that company, I was basically trying to get a job 
having something to do with foster care. Um, you know, I was writing letters, I was talking to people, I was reading, researching, whatever I volunteer, whatever I could do to try to learn and kind of get my foot in that door. And as our time in foster parents, me and my wife, we fostered for about three and a half years. We had three kids coming in and out of our home. Our first was, um, our first we ended up adopting. And so he's our youngest son. We had a, a six and a four-year-old at the time. They're 13 and 11 now. And then our, our son, Brandon, we adopted him through foster care and he's seven now. And then we had two other guys that came to our home. We had another little guy for a month um, and his mom today is doing great. We're still in contact with her. Kind of, you know, John talked about how, that's, how you want it to end. This is, this is one of those stories. We're still in contact with her. Um, we talk to her sometimes. We see if we're connected on Facebook. We see pictures of him growing up. And then our third guy had, had him for two years and a day. And he came and he went home. And we have not heard or seen him uh, since then. And that's, that's hard, but I respect that. That's the mother's, um, that's her right. And so I wish, pray for him and wish him well. But that's kind of how we got into it. Would you talk about where you are now, right? Yes. So you got a job at, at CPS, and what do you do? What's your day-to-day -day look like? Yeah. So I worked for CPS so when I was in that period. of took about two years to get my foot in the door. Um, I was, and I wrote letters to the commissioner at the time. Um, and they're, they're pretty bad. I've gone back once or twice and read them. Uh, I was like, man, who? how did this work? Um, but, uh, yeah, I ended up, they were looking for somebody to do faith-based and volunteer services. It was kind of a role they were creating. They didn't know what to do. And that's kind of, as I look back, that was about four years ago. As I look back on that, that's kind of going forward. You know, I don't know that I want another job where it's not a new position. That's just kind of my, I've, I've just really enjoyed that because you can kind of make it your own and do good work. And then about two years into that, it just working for the government, sometimes that it, it happens. But the, the stuff I enjoyed, the stuff I, that I found meaning, meaning in was kind of getting removed. And they were filling it in with some other stuff that I didn't really get or enjoy and so I was pretty unhappy thinking about trying to do something else and then I was in a man middle management meeting kind of thing and they got up and started talking about organizational health and organizational culture and I was like the first 60 seconds I'm like are you kidding me I hate my work I don't really like my boss that much like you care about organizational health and organizational culture so I went home and I wrote an email to two of our top people and really that was felt so risky at the time I just basically said I don't enjoy what I'm doing I don't enjoy who I'm working for, but I think I have something to give that we need. And I would love to do, talk more about that and find another spot for me. And so that worked out. It turned into what I do now, which is foster parent liaison uh, for the state. And what I primarily, what my time's doing is, is, is talking to people like uh, Kyle and Tessa. Um, a lot of times I feel like I'm kind of an untrained, unlicensed therapist or counselor. Kind of taking in, you know, husbands, we know when we're listening to our wives, you don't have to fix everything, just listen. So I, have to, I get to practice that a lot at work. It doesn't always translate home, but um, I'm still working on that. So I do that a lot. I talk to deal with foster parents. Sometimes it's just listening. Sometimes it's addressing an issue that's going on or just offering support. And then another piece, so in this new, new role, uh, you know, it's a new role. It was created. They don't really know what to do with me, so I just kind of do what I, you know, try to insert things that I think are important. So I get to spend, I spend about a day, um, this has been going on for about three or four months, but I get to spend about a day, half a day to a day a week, delivering furniture to families that um, either that were trying to get kids out of the foster care system back into the back into the home or trying to prevent them from uh, from going home I'm going to add a story that I didn't add the first the first time but that I thought was important so John talks about families count and they have a families count program at Holland Colony Baptist and Nancy 
is my contact there. And I talk to Nancy every once in a while and about that. And she sent one of the families in the program over to us. at the. There's a resource center out at Trace Ridge Church in Ridgeland where they have clothes, food, and furniture. That's where I get most of the stuff from. And Nancy had sent a family to us, and we were able to, we filled the truck up and took it out there. And it was, it was, it was a cool thing to see. The house was completely empty. It was clean. She would cleaned it. She would cleaned it so well, it was kind of like an ice skating rink in, in August or September. I, I think I fell, actually. It was so slick. But it was empty, so we were able to provide beds for her and her, her child and her husband, and then some, just some living room furniture, kind of simple stuff. It didn't, didn't fix all the problem. It didn't make, the child, didn't make everything go away, but it was kind of a simple way um, to do that. Wonderful. Can you speak to the current state of foster care in Mississippi and what's the need right now? Sure. So as of November 1st, there's 3,837 kids in the foster care system in Mississippi. Now, just to give you a little context, when I started with the agency four years ago, there was over 6,000 kids in the foster care system. So it's, I've, I've heard somebody t- say before, it may, we may not be where we want to be, but we're better than, we're not where we started. So we're making, you know, make, making strides and proving that. Some kind of local numbers, um, Hans County has 290 kids in the county. That's number two in the state behind Harrison County, Biloxi, Gulfport area. Uh, Madison has 22, Rankin has 49. Um, so generally you got more kids in bigger populated areas on the coast, Vicksburg, Meridian, Tupelo, DeSoto counties, places like that have more kids than say the Delta. Um, so yeah. Thank you for that. W- would you talk about our church and the relationship that we have together? How has Fawner Church, some people here, and sure. um, our church as a whole made an impact in the CBS system here? Yeah. So, I mean, the two things that kind of stick out to me are the, are the, the Christmas party um, that y'all have hosted for several years. I know it's coming up here in a month, uh, about a month. So, and that supports the Hines County staff um, as well as the children in care as well as the foster parents. I think that's a great way. I've, I've been a couple. I've been a couple times. I didn't come last year, but I was here two years ago, I think. Um, and just seeing those families, seeing those kids, just kind of get to check out for a couple of hours and get to be uh, loved on and served, have fun with the inflatables, eat a hamburger, um, and just do all the different things that are available. I think that's one one way. And then also just with resources. Um, I know I've, I've picked up stuff from Mariah before. And then I know I'm, I'm regularly in contact with Emily Moore about when a need arises. What's mine is, is Emily's and what's Emily's is mine. You know, if I, a couple weeks ago, a couple months or so ago, I was looking for a crib and Emily, Emily found one uh, and was very willing to give it to me uh, so I could get it to the family. I think I ended up finding another one. Um, but uh, I love that, that, you know, I kind of think about it as I break down those silos. Um, you know, we're all trying to do, help the same our city, our county, our state, um, and it doesn't matter who gets the credit kind of thing. We just want to, if that family needs a bed or whatever they need, we need to do our, our diapers or clothes or whatever it is. But those are the two, two things that really stick out that y'all have been very faithful in over the last, you know, since I've been involved several years. Yeah, there are, man, so many faithful people. A lot of you are out here in this service grateful for the way that you lead in our foster care ministry. Emily Moore is not here today. Speaking of silos, they're doing like a great Texas road trip. So they're in Waco right now. Salos, y'all get that later. What encouragement do you have for those of us who can't foster today, but we do want to serve those who are? Sure. Yeah, that's probably my. When I saw the list of questions, um, that's that's my favorite. That's kind of my favorite thing to talk about because in a group, like any really any group, unless I'm talking tomorrow night, I'm going to talk directly to some foster parents, so that'll be different. But in a group like this, the majority of you 
are probably not going to foster, probably not, maybe not, maybe not adopt in your life. Um, that just may not be what you're called to do. And I think that's okay. So you want to talk about, you want to become a foster parent? Great. We can talk about that. And I'd love to talk more about that. But for the rest of you that that's not, you know, that's not on the, you know, not on the horizon. I think it's what I want to talk about with people is not what you can't do or not what you're not going to do, but what are you going to do? What would you like to do? Um, I'll just give you two examples. Right after the first service, I was out on the lawn standing there awkwardly um, trying to fit in and uh, two people came up and one was, you know, one was somebody been doing woodworking, kind of gotten into woodworking. It was like, hey, what's the greatest needs? And I was like, beds and dressers. And he's like, so if I built, you know, beds or dressers, could you use those? Sure. He doesn't ever have to foster, doesn't ever have to adopt. Somebody else, you know, does a, um, like an organizational company or something, like reorg, helps people organize their lives, which I probably needed to get her card. But, um, you know, she talked about, like, we get a lot of stuff. We get towels and sheets and home stuff that people could use in the home is that stuff that you could use instead of just dropping it off at, at Salvation Army. I'm like, yeah, we can put that in a good home. Um, it's, it's stuff like those two people, that they may never foster, they may never adopt. But is, are we putting sheets on somebody's bed? Are we giving somebody uh, towels or a dresser or whatever it is? I think that's, I think it's not, I think about like a ministry funnel. I've seen this before in ministry. And, and when I feel like when I'm talking to somebody, I'm trying to figure out how to plug you into that funnel where you're comfortable. You want to foster and adopt kind of at the bottom of the funnel where it's harder to, it's harder for a lot of people to engage, great, we can start there. If you want to start at the top like, hey, I'd like to donate 10, back, 10 backpacks a year with donations in them, great, we can start there. We need all of those things um, and, in, and everything in between. So I feel like my role is more to figure out where you are and how to help you engage and answer questions. And that may be pointing you to another organization because um, kind of the silo thing, I'm just not, I don't, I'm not in competition with Lifeline and John Noblin. I'm working with John Noblin and Lifeline and our other partners and other agencies that are, on the, that are out there trying to do the same thing in our community. Thanks for that, Thomas. For, so for someone who would say, hey, I, I may be uh, on, on the path to fostering or adopting, we're in a series that's challenging us to be future-minded. So if you're one of those people, what encouragement would you give today to someone who's pretty convinced that fostering or adoption may be a next step for them. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'd say number one is prayer. Praying. Me and my wife always thought we wanted to, wanted to adopt. And at one point, we went to college with a missionary over in Ukraine. And we were, you know, kind of following her and, and watching what she was doing. And my wife came to me at one, I remember one time and said, hey, I feel like God's calling us to adopt from overseas. And I was like, whoa, I don't feel like that. And... Um, and she went and got counsel from a, from a, a good friend, a uh, wise lady, and she just said, if God's, not, if God's not calling Thomas, then he's not calling you. Right now, maybe that's right now. And so I think, you know, prayer, first of all, is the thing. I think the second thing is go talk to somebody who knows, uh, who's in that, who knows more about it than you do. Um, that may be Kyle and Tessa. You know, they've obviously got some good experience in foster care, and that may be somebody else in the community. There's plenty of foster parents out there. Um, that, that would love to talk to you or I could connect you with them or I'd be glad to talk to you too um, about it. I feel like sometimes I just, I just actually told the commissioner this like two weeks ago. I'm, I'm sort of wondering, thinking back on that, thinking I may have should have worded it differently. But I, I said a lot of times when people come to me and talk about it, I probably talk more people out of it than I talk people in it. I don't have a, there's not a goal. I don't have, I need to come away today with 10 families from Fondren that are interested. There's nothing like that. It's, uh, you know, I want to plug you in where you want to be plugged in. 
And if that's, if that's international adoption or if that's supporting a, a, a Kyle and Tessa out there or whatever that looks like, that's what I would say. But I think talking to people in prayer would be the, the two things there. So Tessa said something in the video that was very profound to me. You know, she said, I don't know if we need to be doing so much for the people in our own church, but rather each of us continuing to look outward and see where are these kids coming from and can we alleviate those issues. Um, and we've seen them even this week, carjackings, gang initiations, kids who just need security or someone to watch out for them or the sense of family they will do anything they can we see that that's not foreign to us um what are some ways we can maybe slowly alleviate the need for for kids to be in safer homes and yeah. families yeah i think so it's i think it's again figuring out what your where your place is what's your thing figure out your thing so my thing's foster care that's what i spend a lot of time doing i spend on the clock and off the clock. I spent a lot of time thinking about that, volunteering in ways and doing different, being involved different ways. But what's your thing? They're all kind of connected. Maybe your thing's prison ministry. That's connected to foster care and vice versa. Maybe it's at the CPC. That's connected to foster care and vice versa. Maybe it's homelessness, homeless ministry. All those things funnel in. Um, all those things are connected kind of like a web. Uh, adoption agencies and other and other organizations, partners in the in the community like Lifeline and, and many others. I think those are all ways um, way to way to kind of do that. I thought about this in between the first service and this one. I think it's a good this will make sense. I think sometimes when we think about a you know I feel like it's sort of like a race. You know I know John was talking to somebody before the service about the about the race yesterday, and I'm obviously from the looks of it I'm not a racer, um, but. Uh, the, I kind of think about it like a race, but the goal here is not to beat everybody else. The goal in this race is that we all cross the finish line. And if we think about that in the community, and when we go to these houses, and it's very interesting, it's probably my, my favorite part of the week, is getting in that bucket truck and getting sweaty. I've got a high schooler, homeschooler that rides with me that, they, that the church pays for that, um, to go. It's getting in that truck and going in these families and being a piece of maybe them getting their life, maybe just being a piece of that, of their story of success and it turns around. And really, if we want our community to be better and safer, um, they got to cross the finish line too. It doesn't matter if I beat them. We've all got to finish. And I think um, I had one more thought that just, that just left me on that. Um, but, yeah, I think working together and finding the thing, the way that you can impact would be, would be what I'd say there. Yeah. Incredible. Amen. Thank you for that. Yeah. And the life of our church, the book of Nehemiah has meant a lot. And that's the kind of ministry that we try to do. Recognizing, yeah, everybody's got a thing. We have something in front of us. And where is your place that you could demonstrate compassion, trusting that God is building this world more and more into a place that's suitable for him as we see more and more of the gospel spread throughout the earth and our town. Tom Stent, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Thank you. I'm going to invite Van Harden up. Van's our missions pastor. He's going to close our service out and give us some next steps for uh, the rest of our day today. Um, what a great morning already. Like, uh, such a great time. Uh, like, I, I, uh, I love what the variety of things we've gotten to hear from. I love uh, how we get to see a glimpse of the work that God is doing in our community and how we can be a part of it. Um, that's like the eighth time that I've watched the Kyle and Tessa video, and I've cried every time. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you can't do that. Um, man, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be called into something. 
and we all are. So if you take away something, I want you to hear that we all are called into something. We all are called in to being a part of God's economy, of sowing in this kingdom. God, he's in the business of restoring families. He's in the business of taking people that were hopeless and giving them hope. People that were fatherless. I mean, the Bible tells us all throughout that we ourselves, even those that are in the family of God, we're fatherless, we're wanderers, we're sojourners, and we've been given a place, a home. I, I mean, I'm looking out in the crowd right now and seeing people that I know that have stepped in and kept kids from being taken into foster care. Like, you guys are incredible people. And, and I want you to know that um, God is doing great things, but we've got so much more work to, to be done. There's 3,000, over 3,000 kids in our state that represent a home that is struggling, that doesn't have what they need right now. And then the church, the church can be a huge part of the, can be the conduit to like, to God restoring those homes. You know, when we look at the Bible, uh, when we look at this message of, of caring for the widow, the orphan, um, we always turn to, to James and James 127 the true religion is this, you know, but I want you to hear this, that like, that's not just a one-time little message. Paul writes about it. Luke writes about it. John writes about it. Zechariah writes about it. Solomon, David, Moses, Esther, Job, like it is all throughout the Bible that the church, like God has been instructing his church from the very beginning that we are to lay down our lives, that we are to care for, for the orphan, for the fatherless, for the sojourner, for the outsider, and be reminded all the while that we too were outsiders, right? It is a message that has been a part of the church from the very beginning of its conception. So I love the practicality of Thomas speaking today, that, men, you're not all called to be foster families, right? You're not all called to be foster parents or to adopt a child, but, man, we are all called to be a part of it. Right? So what is the next step for you? What is God calling you to do? Let's do something a little outside of the box for us real quick. If you are here today and you've been impacted by fostering or adopting, I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. So what that means is like, if you, maybe you grew up in a family that fostered. So you have some foster siblings. Maybe you yourself were adopted are, are we're a part of the foster system at some time. Maybe you're a foster parent, have been in the past. I don't know, okay? Um, but I just want to see, I want us to get a visual of some of the things that God is providing, God is doing in our church. So if that's you, if you've been a part of adoption or foster, you, you've been impacted it by it in some way, do you mind standing up for us? Let's see what we've got here. All right, so look at these folks right here. These represent stories where someone has given of themselves or their family to provide for somebody else. Yeah, you guys can have a seat. I hope that we can see this number if we do this again next year increase. I just want us to be praying for that. What do we want to see? What is God calling us to do? Do, 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 do we want to see that number increase? Do we want to see more people in this community take a step? into something to lay down their life for somebody else.
I think we most certainly do. And I think the answer to that is like, yes, we want to see that, but what is it specifically you're calling us to, God? So we're about to close the service out. I'm going to invite the ushers down. We're going to have some pastors down front. Um, you know, I know that we've talked about this before in the past. Uh, one of our own pastors, Nick Crawford, is, is they've been going through the process of trying to adopt a child. So Nick's going to be one of the pastors down front too. So he's got some experience that, that maybe you want to talk to and ask prayer for as well. As we go to take up this offering, I want to remind you of one last thing here. Remember that 20% of every dollar that is taken up at Finer Church, that's given to Finer Church, goes out again. That is given to mission. So when you guys put money in the, in the basket today, know that you're supporting uh, the work that God is doing here in Jackson. You're going to be supporting something like our foster care party that's coming up on, on December the 9th here in just a little bit. And uh, that we, we need help. We need volunteers. We need money. We need, we need prayers. Uh, you can, when you go out here and you can talk to Thomas, you can talk to John, or you can talk to me and Mariah and learn more about how you can get plugged in this foster care party. But as you even give right now, at this party every year, we give every family, uh, all the foster families in Hines County and all the social workers, we give them a Christmas gift. We give them we give them a gift card, and then we also give gifts to all the kids that come to this party. So what you guys offer in this offering plate goes towards that. So I want to thank you for being a part of that, and let me pray over our offering uh, and our time together. God, thank you for calling us home to you. Thank you for giving us a way to be back to you. God, thank you for people that you have called into this mission of restoring families, of providing a family for a child who comes from a situation that um, that doesn't provide life, that, that doesn't provide an opportunity to thrive. God, we lift up the Bennetts as they continue to, to seek to provide for their family. Um, God, I pray that we rally around them and support them. God, we pray for our city that just like Tessa has already led us, that we would be a part of, of meeting the need, of, of, of facing the problem way before a kid gets taken out of the home. And God, right now, we ask your blessing upon this offering. We, we consecrate it. We consecrate this offering to you and the hearts of the people in this room to you, that they be used to further your kingdom. God, we need you. We love you. Take this and use it. In Christ's name, amen.